I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you, and I'm being joined once again by Aaron. How are you, my dear? I'm well. How are you? I also am well. Just, just well. So? Speaking of well, this, mm-hmm. this may sound like I'm scratching for a fucking topic, but I'm not. I'm genuinely curious. <laughs> how the fuck do they get back out of digging a well? Uh, I don't know. Like, do, do people like... Do you know how, infinitely down. far down they must be don't they use a piece of equipment like from the surface and just drill down like and eight, you know older days oh how, how do, they probably had like a pulley system have you seen um there will be blood you really need to see that movie first of all second of all you know uh there's like a whole system you know they just lower themselves down on like a rickety old board and then just I'm talking about like the 1800s i'm talking about like you know, kind of the first century. They didn't have pulleys back then. I don't know. Is that how the <laughs> do your history? Study your books. Uh, Wells. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, so, uh, first of all, it is March 9th, and we have uh, well, we'll say mediocre at best show for it. Come on. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be okay. Nice. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to bring it up. So. At the top there, you heard another new intro. Thank you very much, my dear. You have a wonderful voice. The, if you want to leave your intro, audience, you, that's right. Why not? Let's bring it here. Call 801-899-6168 and leave me one. It's an answering machine. Google controls it. You won't talk to me. Take your time. And uh, give me one of those opening liners. I truly appreciate it. Um, okay, so... Quick news before we get into the show. Well, let me let me go over what's going to happen here. Nine cents letters. I got a, a letter, uh, I think a week ago, maybe five days ago or something from a listener. Thank you very much for sending in your correspondence as always. And it was a, a teen who wanted information um, from me. And so, <laughs> like advice. And I'm probably not the best person to give it. So I uh, decided, I replied to him. But now I'm going to kind of have uh, Aaron give her nine cents to him as well. Mm-hmm. Infernal Informant, uh, two articles. Why is American internet so goddamn slow, Aaron? Why is my internet so goddamn slow? And 18 things highly creative people do differently. Surprisingly, anal was not on. They each off different than other people. Down to the Crossroads episode. There's no fuck. Is it episode 21? Can you fucking believe it? <laughs> oh my god. Oh. What's this one called? Bad Luck Blues. Bad Luck Blues! Lord and Lord and Lord. Ah, well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Took about 10 minutes to get it set up so we could. <laughs> it, it'll be stuff. worth it. The payoff is fucking good. I want a happy ending, God <laughs> uh, Alright, so I got, a, I got a bunch of notes here. I'm not sure what I'm going to really end up talking about. Let me say this quickly. I'm not going to be doing 9 cents interviews anymore. Like, not interviews in general, but like the 
collection of the interviews in the form of the RSS feed known as Nine Cents Interviews. Uh, I'm, I'm really fucking busy. It's just getting worse and worse, and it's not going to be letting up anytime soon. So rather than canceling the podcast altogether, I'm sort of paring down portions of it. And so uh, the first to be cut is Nine Cents Interviews, and we'll see if I can still keep up with that going. And if not, then we're going to cut something else. I bet you're going to cut my segment. Well, that was it was either Nine Cents Interviews or your segment. Damn. Um, and it was really hard to decide. God damn. <laughs> Why do I do this? Why do I put up with this abuse month after month? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I love your segment, so I would never cut it. So Nine Cents Interviews goes the way of the dodo. Uh, listen to Taps at Night if you want. Um, get to know the voices of, uh, you know, us. Aden. Arden is going to be on tonight. I think he has something special. <laughs> his um, urethra, maybe? Wizard sleeve. Planned. <laughs> of, his, of his wizard sleeve. I don't know. And it doesn't work, but <laughs> the words were there. Oh. Um, anyway, that's going to be at 7 p.m. tonight, so you're all going to have missed it. Because this isn't <laughs> going to be released until tomorrow. You fucking, fucking son of uh, but, a bitch. <laughs> but if you guys tune in tonight, uh, thanks for listening. And then Aaron, mm-hmm. we are going to do this? Yes. Are we going to do this? I, yes. I said we were, didn't I? We're finally the very last of the Get to Know episodes with Aaron next week. Yeah. Tune next in. Next week. Whatever Aden does, I'm going to top it. So Ooh. that is the gauntlet's nice. been thrown. Nice. It is, it is on. I don't. He's not even going to know that you even mentioned it. <laughs> oh, he'll <laughs> know. Tomorrow. <laughs> all right well that's going to be at 7 p.m eastern for both of them so definitely tune in next week for aaron's uh she's going to do some amazing uh heterosexual things i'm sure uh night is going to be all homosexual. oh really i don't know <laughs> i've nothing really? mm-hmm. right, well there is that elusive uh roommate maybe uh in oh, the background, no. you'll have the roommate and your man together i'll float that um, idea to the boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's an option. I'm not saying they have to blow each other, but you know, oh boy, a hand job. Huh? Um, <laughs> so I, I just want to thank uh, publicly Jeremy Villarreal. Actually, it's, I don't, how do you, is that Villa, is that a real last name? Yeah, Villarreal. I would I would guess Real like, Villarreal. Yeah, Villarreal. Yeah, there you Villarreal. go. How we, what is that? Spanish, I think. Is it? I would think so, yeah. It's With Jeremy in front of it? Well, I mean, sure. I mean... Jose Villarreal. <laughs> Jesus. All right, anyway. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much. He heard me bitching like a little baby about my engraved oh. cufflinks. And he went out of his fucking way. And he's, he actually does this uh, as a sort of professional hobby, uh, metalworking. And he made me some fucking amazing... Cufflinks. So uh, thank you very much, my man. I truly appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to have him on the show to talk about it, the process, fashion. You know, just sort of, you know, pimp out what he does because it's really fucking good. Cool. And I really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about some other things, but yeah. Should we just get, in, get, on, get it on? Get on the show? Sure. Do you have anything you want to touch on? Um, No. I, I, t- really? I, I finished my semester today. Oh. <gasps> My class, yeah, very cool. 
I when are you going to know if you did well or not? I already know. <laughs> really? Yeah, I aced it. Really? Yeah. And I don't I fuck around. I thought you were like a burnout that you just barely passed. <laughs> I didn't know you were smart that, and stuff. That was high school. This is different. <laughs> this is very different. Well, congratulations. I'm so oh, proud of you. No, thank you. So does that, how many more semesters do you have? Oh, like months? fucking infinity more. <laughs> I feel oh. forever and ever. Then, well, congratulations on one more day. Thanks, man. Another notch in the hump, I guess. I don't know. What do you notch? I, do you notch your belts? Ah, uh, no. Do you notch your pumps? Pumps? <laughs> do you call them pumps? Or you call them, what are they? Are they heels? Are you know. talking about my shoes? Yeah. Pumps. Do they call them pumps? I feel like someone called them pumps once, and that's where I got them. I mean, I'm sure like someone's nana still calls them pumps. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's net. Yeah. But on your mules. Where are your pumps? We got to get you to the home. Mules or pumps? Your your choice. <laughs> All right. Let's do a little nonsense letters. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Saint. Welcome to Nightson's Letters. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Ring a ding ding. Uh, okay, so I got an email, as I said in the opening. And uh, actually, you want to read it? It's sure. short if I read it and it's directed to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. There seems to be a big chunk missing, so. Yeah, because it was just, <laughs> just stuff. Like, oh, Adam, you're so handsome. Thank God for you. And no, it was, what would I do without you? It was the okay. Well, just I'll read just the read first what's part, on the paper. and then I'll, t- I'll say what's missing, and then we'll read the last. <laughs> that sounds cool. Okay, all right. Hey, Adam, I am nearing 17 years old, and I'm trying to get my parents to understand that Satanism isn't what it was portrayed as in the 1980s, because they just recently found my Satanic Bible. Dun dun dun. Bum bum. I have written this essay and would greatly appreciate if you could read it and maybe uh, be, oh boy, uh, and maybe give me a or two on my conviction. This is it. And then it goes in this really long essay of, you know, sort of the tenets of Satanism and, you know, stuff, stuff like that. All right. And then all that being said, you shouldn't have a thing to worry about. I'm not some angry black metalist and I am certainly no, no devil worshiping Richard Ramirez. I'm interested in the unexplored aspects of human existence thus leading me to finding the religion that I agree wholeheartedly with. I hope that you understand now what Satanism really is. It is a way to live life, a power, powerful life, that which has led me to try harder in what matters. So, um, essentially, he wrote an essay for his parents uh, explaining why he identifies with Satanism and, you know, trying to clear up some misconceptions that, that they have or he thinks they have. So, um, this is, uh, this is interesting. Did you, did you ever come out to your parents? As a Satanist? Yeah. No. Hey. Or as a man. I mean, I mean. <laughs> as a homosexual man, yes, I did. <laughs> came out of the closet. It was closet. a really awkward conversation. <laughs> no, um, no, it never came up. <laughs> you or, never talked to them about it? No, no. Is that crazy? Really? No, not I really. No, I just, I would have. I don't know. My parents weren't aren't religious. They weren't religious people, you know. So there was no sort of like breaking from that. I was raised in a pretty secular household. My grandparents tried to take me to church when I was a kid, and then that they just sort of gave up. So, um, 
So there was no real religion. There was nothing to rebel against. And so there was certainly, there was just no reason. It just never came up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't, they didn't need to know. And it, and not that I felt they would reject me or care, you know, or be upset by any means, but mostly just because it just, it just never came up. <laughs> wow. All right. My parents freaked the fuck out. Well, they would, yeah. <laughs> Specifically, my mom freaked the fuck out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay, so, you know, for anyone who, here's the, I don't know if he was trying to hide it from them, if, like, he had this satanic Bible slid, un, like, between his mattress and his box spring with his nudie mags, like, I'm, you know, making some assumptions here, but, like, I don't know if you're hiding it, or if they just happened to be, I don't know, picking up your laundry, or dropping off your laundry, and then they saw it on your bed, or what, you know, however they run, ran across your copy of the satanic Bible, but, um. Uh, it's it, it can freak people out if they are religious and they find that you know because for them it's automatically like oh my gosh my son has just sold his soul <laughs> like, or my daughter like they they are literally everything the opposite of what I've taught them because <laughs> they don't know shit about shit and so it can be a very traumatic uh, experience for some people uh, in religious households and so I understand trying to explain to them the reality behind what it is. Um, but here's the thing. And this is, this is kind of what I told them. You, you can't convince people. Because what you are essentially doing is telling them that their religion is wrong. Their religion is based around the fundamental idea that Satan is the ultimate bad guy and that he is an actual entity and that he is actually needing to corrupt people. And if you come around with Satanic Bible saying, no, Satan is not real, and this is all just human expression, then that invalidates what they actually believe as a religion. And you can't do that. They, they will refuse to believe that. Even if they think that you don't believe it, they still think that you've been tricked by the devil. <laughs> so you can't convince them otherwise. And to try to at 16 is really futile. Uh, I'm not saying don't try. If you really feel like you have to, do your thing, man. But here's the bottom line. You're not an adult yet. Um, you need to respect your parents and respect the boundaries that they're setting around you as long as they're, you know, all on the up and up and legal. Um, and until you're an adult on your own, that may mean that you have to keep your mouth shut and sort of toe the line and just think the way you want to think and study the way you want to study and behave appropriately around your parents. But you can't convince people if they don't want to be convinced, period. Like, it will not happen. Um, and there's nothing wrong with sharing your mind with them. Right. But with an, a long-ass essay, and this was a long-ass essay, it's really not the... Like, they're not going to get past the first two sentences. They're going to be like, my son is trying to tell me he's a Satanist? Hell no. You need Jesus, boy. Well, like that. yeah. I mean, I don't. I didn't read the essay, so I, I don't know. But from what I read, you know, here, he's, as a, he's almost 17. For, for a 16-year-old, he seems really intelligent and articulate and clear-headed. You know, this, um, when I was 16, I doubt I could have written what I see here. But you, know, you never know what his parents are like. Do you, has he not given the uh, the letter to them yet? 
he was asking you kind of whether he should or not? Uh, yeah. Like As that. I understand it, he wrote wrote it and then he asked if I had any notes or anything like that. <laughs> so you would um, suggest he not give it to them? I would, yeah, I suggested that he should hmm. talk to them. Instead. One-on-one. Okay. On one. If he yeah. really has to communicate this, then he needs to X out Satanism from the conversation mm-hmm. and explain everything. Because once you do that, they are religious. And once you start saying, I believe this and this is Satanism, then they turn off. Okay. And if you want them to hear you, then you just need to say, this is how my mind works. This is who I am. I still love you with all my heart, but this is who I am. And not bring in the satanic element of it. You will have them understand what you're saying. And then at the end, because at some point they're going to bring up, well, we found the satanic Bible. And you can say, yes, I'm reading it. It has some really wonderful thoughts in it. And I think it's worth a read. And maybe you should read it too. Maybe you should see what I'm, what I'm you know, reading. Be a part of my life. But you don't have to say, I'm a Satanist and I have found the devil. <laughs> you know, you don't have to proselytize to them. You don't have to show them the nine stack statements expecting them to read and understand them. You don't yeah. have to pull out, whip out the 11 rules of the earth mm-hmm. and expect them to get past it. Like, there's just, there's good ways of getting through these conversations and then there's, you're just going to run into a brick wall. Yeah. So, I have to question sort of his motives for why he needs to have this conversation, you know? Um, the parents may never understand. And I understand also that this is sort of at 16 years old, I vividly remember what it feels like to want to, people to understand you, you know, to want, you know, to have an identity that you're very, very invested in and married to. And you want the whole fucking world to know. I mean, at 16, that is your life. You know, you're like, I am this and I want everyone to know it. And I want everyone to understand it and accept it. And, you know, they don't have to, to love it. But to understand, you know, I think it's, you know, intrinsic sort of, and everyone is to just this desperate desire to be understood. But I have to wonder what the, his motives really are. You know, that is, that is one feeling, that feeling of confession and hope, hopeful, you know, hopefulness that they are being understood. But then that's not necessarily the best move. You know, your parents may never understand as, you know, Will Smith would t- surely tell this young man parents sometimes just don't understand <laughs> i like to look to will what smith the for fuck advice just happened? <laughs> you just flipped on the fucking early 90s but i yeah you know maybe your parents don't yeah, need to know parents just don't understand uh-huh uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> pretty good pretty good <laughs> so anyway my point being you know I, I understand. I understand this sort of confessional desire to, to just lay it out there. And you, I know you expect your parents are going to go, oh my God, that makes so much sense. And I am so happy for you that you've chosen this path in life. But that's not, probably not what's going to happen. So you, you may <laughs> want to just pump the brakes a bit and, and, and yeah. you know, say, look, this is who I am. My parents don't have to necessarily know. And they you know, so you have the Satanic Bible on your shelf. I have my Satanic Bible on my shelf next to a lot of books about a lot of things that, you know, I wasn't a member of the church of all of these other books. You know what I mean? Like, just because you have the Satanic Bible on your shelf doesn't necessarily mean you're a, a Satanist. So your parents don't necessarily need to know your your religious beliefs at this point. You're 16 years old, you know? Keep some yeah, secrets. And- <laughs> 
and here's here's something that I mentioned um, when when I replied to him is that Satanism is about study. It's not about worship. And so it's easy when you're first introduced to it because you're so excited you finally connected yeah. with something that you want to share it and sort of spread the word, as it were. But that's not what it's about. You know, it's it's all about individual development and um, becoming a better version of you. So. It, rather than trying to explain to uh, your parents, maybe you just keep reading and you keep studying and you keep trying to understand who and what you are and how you're going to make a meaningful mark on this world. Um, focus on that and it won't matter if it's a satanic Bible that your parents find because they're going to see through your actions that you are a responsible human being. And one book doesn't make or break anything, you know? I mean, I, I talk about this all the time when it comes to um, trying to clear up what it means, what Satanism is to the public in general. And you can type until you're blue in the fingers or you can, <laughs> blue in the fingers? Red in the fingers? I don't know. Numb? Or you can those. fucking talk until you're blue in the face. It's not going to make a goddamn difference as if, unless you're living it. If you show people what it is, by being a healthy, responsible human being, then they will see, oh, wow, that's what Satanism is. It's not those weirdos with the fucking Loki horns shouting at Rick Scott. It's actually people having a, a, a worthwhile, purpose-filled life. Like, okay, yeah. done. No more fucking, no more baby-killing talk because it's completely irrelevant. So, you know, just keep, keep, Keep your nose to the books. Toe the parental line. You're not an adult yet, and so you, you need to rely on your parents for things. Uh, there's no reason to rock the boat if you don't have to. And your mind is your own. They don't own you. They don't own your mind. So keep feeding it. You know, just, just, keep, just keep studying and keep thriving. Good luck with everything. Anything else you want to say? No, best of luck, though, for sure. I think, you know, you're... You seem like a, a really bright kid. I think you know, I think you're going to be fine. Do you know? Keep some secrets that your folks don't need to know everything about you, and they probably won't understand. And that's okay. They probably won't understand a lot of things about you for the rest of your life. Yeah, and, and surprisingly enough, they, they probably don't even know everything about themselves. Like that's <laughs> something about being a human being, you're constantly discovering new things. Mm -hmm, certainly about yourself. So, all right, cool. Uh, let's dive into the infernal informant. What's going on with Uh, Infernal Foreman. Why is American internet so slow? This is by John Aziz uh, from March 5th from theweek.com. According to a recent study by Ookla Speed Test, the U.S. ranks a shocking 31st in the world in terms of average download speeds. The leaders of the world are Hong Kong at 72 49 megabits per second and Singapore on 48.84 megabits per second and America averaging speeds of 20.77 megabits per second. It falls behind countries like Estonia, Hungary, Slovakia, Uruguay. It's we're behind Slovakia. <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. I mean, Estonia. Yeah, we're going to be behind Estonia. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the Jetsons over there. And they are. Um, Okay, its upload speeds are even worse. 
Globally, the U.S. ranks 42nd with an average upload speed of 6.31 megabits per second behind a country I have never heard of <laughs> <laughs> called Lesotho and Belarus and Slovenia and other countries you only hear mentioned on Jeopardy. Okay. So how did America fall behind? How did the country that literally, literally invented the internet and the home to world-leading tech companies such as Apple, Microsoft, Netflix, Facebook, Google, and Cisco fall behind so many others in download speeds? Crawford argues that huge telecommunication companies such as Comcast, Time Warner, Verizon, and AT&T have divided up markets and put themselves in a position where they're subject to no competition. How? The 1996 Telecommunications Act, which was meant to foster competition, allowed cable companies and telecoms, telecom companies to simply divide markets and merge their way to monopoly, allowing them to charge customers higher and higher prices without the kind of investment in internet infrastructure, especially in next-generation fiber-optic connections that is ongoing in other countries. Fiber-optic connections offer a particularly compelling example. While expensive to build, they offer faster and smoother connections than traditional copper wire connections. But Verizon stopped building out fiber-optic infrastructure in 2010, citing high costs, just as other countries were getting to work. Crawford told the BBC, We deregulated high-speed internet access 10 years ago, and since then we've seen enormous consolidation in monopolies. Left to their own devices, companies that supply internet access will charge high prices because they face neither competition nor oversight. If a market becomes a monopoly, there's often nothing, whatever, to force monopolists to invest in infrastructure or improve their service. Of course, in a few places where new competitor like Google Fiber has appeared, telecom companies have been spooked and forced to cut prices and improve service in response to new competition. But that isn't happening everywhere. It's very expensive for a new competitor to come into the market like telecommunications that has very high barriers to entry. Laying or wire fiber optic cable is expensive, and if the incumbent companies won't grant new competitors access to their infrastructure, then the free market forces of competition don't work and infrastructure infrastructure stagnates, even even as consumer and desire for competition rises due to poor service. Other companies have done you don't really have to <laughs> I want to read the rest and then read it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it sort of closes out with um, the Obama administration trying to undercut the whole mess by building new publicly funded networks. <laughs> access to a, a wider net of people. Um, you know, the goal, I think, is across the entire U.S. But, um, okay, so it, it, this may seem weird why I brought this article out, but I wanted to talk about it in the context of um, regulation on corporations and um, how in this snapshot of an industry by deregulating it they actually hiked up prices and lowered competition which is the opposite of what capitalists actually think happens when you deregulate they think oh well that fosters uh, more and more competition and you end up with a better product and the reality is that it's Bald ass fucking lie. It, it encourages monopolies. It encourages large corporations to buy up smaller corporations, and there is no competition, and so you end up with a mediocre product that costs more than it ever has before, and you have to suck it. <laughs> you just have to fucking deal with it or go without. 
just suck it. <laughs> and so, you know, that's why I wanted to bring this up, is kind of get that message across. I, I get so goddamn tired of hearing these conservative rants about free market and about competi- healthy competition, and it doesn't fucking exist. It's it's the biggest fucking lie in the world. Like, I understand in a perfect world that's how it would work, whether you're talking healthcare or fucking internet speeds. Uh, it's It's a fucking lie. It never works that way. You always have larger corporations owning and running everything. They already got our government. So is it a surprise that they do the same thing in every other fucking industry? And how long are assholes going to fucking believe the bullshit that these motherfuckers are spewing about free market economics? It's a fucking lie. Like, it is so blatantly obvious not true. It does not work. Like, how, how many times do we have to go through this shit? Like, and obviously, you know, does it really matter if your internet speed is 72 megs a second versus 40 yes. megs a second? No. Well, okay, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that that's sort of a, I mean, mine is up to 100 megs a second, and I still have problems sometimes. So, on the grand scheme of things, I don't think it really fucking matters, but that's not really the point. It's the point that we claim to be this bastion of commerce, this this first world nation when in everything we are ranked in the 30s we are just so bad at fucking everything and we never acknowledge that the reality is so much different than the lies that we are fed and that we spew every goddamn day like the healthcare debate which is so huge right now we're in the 30s in that i think we're 37 in like the best healthcare in in the world like 37 that's not good. That is not the best healthcare in the world. You can say it is, but it's a lie. I say a lot of things. I said I say a lot of things. <laughs> They're all lies. Almost all. It's a. Uh, I get so goddamn angry. Okay, so you. you I'm just surprised to see how like South the South Korean market is has this fierce competition. Is is talking about and there's this open access. Policy for Korea, like I get South Korea, sure, but um, really, we're not we're really not doing as well as South Korea, and, and it doesn't make any sense because we are capitalism. I mean, it's the United States; we're this big fat capitalist society, and I, I, you know, this is kind of the first I've heard of this whole thing. Like, I don't understand how it doesn't make it doesn't jive at all with what we're taught in economics classes you know that monopolies are bad you know um competition is what is good but this is this is the important thing is like that there's this deregulation so everything is supposed to be better because of that yet it's a mess it's a disaster it's like a failed experiment your shit like your volcano volcano is blowing up in your face it it happened with the yeah, and, and we all suffer for it. Uh, we've had more crashes in the last fifty years of our economy than ever in the time preceding it from our, our inception as a country, and and that's all due to deregulation. So I understand that a lot of people get all up in arms because regulation it seems bad because the government's looking over your shoulder, but that. That's so that you don't fuck over the people using your product. Like, I I understand. I don't expect the government to take care of me. 
But there has to be some oversight, or else you, how many? Look all across the goddamn country. There are fucking chemical spills in rivers, fucking people over. There are uh, gas uh, pipes being dug underneath people's houses, and their faucets are having fucking fire come out of them. <laughs> there is oil spills in the Gulf. We have regulations on those areas, and it's still not good enough. So we we need not less regulation. We need more regulation, and we need to not hamstring the industry uh the groups set up in order to do them. The thing is, if they can't deregulate, then they defund the organizations that do the regulation. And so they can't properly regulate. And then they use that as, well, see, regulation doesn't work. No! No, you fucking asshats! You're the cause! Like, just let them do their fucking job, and we won't have any goddamn problem! But you, and I understand why they don't want regulation, because meeting fucking regulations and meeting standards costs money. And if that's all it comes down to, money, <laughs> it's, it's insane. I mean, I just, I get so angry about this. I don't even know why I fucking care, except that it affects every single one of us. Why am I the only one caring? You're not you know, the only one. <laughs> so, good article. Yeah, you know. About I internet speeds. I've never, I would never have read that article on my own. I'm really glad that you brought that. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are feeling the same way. You know, that's not something I would ever have clicked on and read. But I feel, you know, elucidated by it. Estonians apparently, or Estonia is apparently like a badass place to go download some stuff. They're on top of their, they are on point with their fucking internet access. I'll tell you that. Fucking fast, man. All right, let's do the next one here. We're actually doing pretty good on time. All right. Nice. You're going to have some extra time for your segment. Uh Uh-oh. This is HuffPo. 18 things highly creative people do differently. This is posted on the 4th, updated on the 5th. Okay, creativity works in mysterious and often paradoxical ways. Creative thinking is a stable, defining characteristic in some personalities, but it may also change based on situation and context. Inspiration and ideas often arise seemingly out of nowhere, and they fail to show up when we most need them. And creative... Thinking requires complex cognition, yet is completely distinct from the thinking process. Neuroscience paints a complicated picture of creativity. As science, uh, scientists now understand it, creativity is far more complex than the right-left brain distinction would have us think. Theory being that left brain equals rational and analytical, right brain equals creativity and emotional. In fact, creativity is thought to involve a number of cognitive processes, neural pathways, and emotions, and we still don't have the full picture of how the imaginate, imaginate, what? imaginative mind works. Why does that fucking sound weird? And psychologically speaking, creative personality types are difficult to pin down, largely because they're complex, paradoxical, and uh, tend to avoid habit or routine. And it's just not a stereotype of the tortured artist. Artists really may be more complicated people. Research has suggested that creativity involves the coming together of a multitude of traits, behaviors, and social influences in a single person. Quote, it's actually hard for creative people to know themselves because the creative self is more complex than the non-creative self. And quote, Scott Barry Kaufman, a psychologist at New York University, who spent his years reaching creativity, <laughs> researching, oh my gosh, I haven't even had anything to drink, uh, told the Huffington Post. 
The things that stand out the most are the paradoxes of the creative self. Imaginative people have messier minds. I don't believe that. What? I'm sorry. Go on. No. You, <laughs> I'll you hold don't my, believe that? Hold my opinions. Messier minds? What the fuck does that mean? That means we have a lot of go- a lot going on in our heads. But no, mess. To me, it connotes sort of a disorganized, slapdash sort of thinking. Oh, I would. I. I. Yeah, I dig that. No, I wouldn't say. I just. I. I argue with the word messy. That's all. I. I uh, would say. Imagine if people have, um, maybe more complex, more complicated, but messy sounds dirty and bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a messy is a bad word for me. You have a messy mind. Yeah, that's a derogatory thing, I think. Yeah. Well, while there's no typical creative type, there are some telltale characteristics and behaviors of highly creative people. Here are 18 things that creative people do differently. Now, I'm not going to go and read each one, but I'm just going to sort of list these. And for you, the listener, sort of notch off in your head whether this is applicable to you or not. Uh, they daydream. Creative types know... Despite what their third grade teachers may have said, that daydreaming is anything but a waste of time. You have to imagine. That's, that's key to being creative. They observe everything. Um, they work the hours that work for them, meaning it's not necessarily a nine to five. They can wake up in the middle of the night and have an epiphany or have a thought that they need to note down and they don't get back to bed till later because they're obsessed with that thought. Uh, they take time for solitude. Now, I think this is incredibly important, being able to stop, uh, pause, and just sort of reflect for a minute. Um, They turn life's obstacles around. So, you know, they sort of use what could be perceived as bad situations uh, to their advantage. Uh, They seek out new experiences. They fail up. Resilience is practically a prerequisite for creating success, as Kaufman. Doing creative work is often described as a process of failing repeatedly until you find something that sticks. And creatives, at least the successful ones, learn not to take failure so personally. Um, this is a big thing, learning how to how to fail at what you're trying to do. I mean, if you're at all, a, like in my industry, a designer, you, you go through a lot of rounds of shit before you get with you know together for something that you're happy with. Uh, you have to be able to fail. Uh, they ask questions. I'm sorry. They ask the big questions. So you're insatiably curious. You're never quite content with, well, I know enough. <laughs> you're constantly, constantly searching. And they people watch. Uh, here's here's a big thing, I think. Um, being able to remove yourself from your mind and just see other people for what they are. Um, it's it's a fun thing to do if you've never done it. You just go, I don't know if it's a park bench or if it's in a coffee shop or a library. You sit there and just see how other people act and behave. It's, it's interesting. They take risks. They view all of life as an opportunity for self-expression. Now, you should be seeing a lot of these connecting with you if you identify as a Satanist. I think inherently a lot of these are connected to the way that we see the world. Um, they follow their true passions. Uh, okay, well, I just mentioned this, but they get out of their own heads. Uh, they lose track of time. That's because they're, they're focusing on what they're doing rather than the picking of a clock or a punch card coming up. They surround themselves with beauty, having a sense of aesthetics. Uh, they connect the dots. Um, so uh, it's the ability to see possibilities where other, others don't. 
And so here's a little quote from Steve Jobs about it. Creativity is just connecting things. When you ask creative people how they did something, they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it. They just saw something. It seemed obvious to them after a while. That's because they were able to connect experiences they've had and synthesize new things. One thing that I um, always go through is, is something called concept when it comes with new design. Uh, whenever you get a client coming to you for a new ad or a new website or whatever it is, you want to know the concept. And, and this bothers people because it makes them think. But if you don't have a message that you're trying to say, then you don't have a reason to have an ad or a website. You have to have a message. And then you have to find something like a hook in order to tell that message interestingly. Um, so that's your concept. Uh, they constantly shake things up. Uh, they make time for mindfulness. And that's going to that's gonna do it for that. So, uh, Aaron, are you a creative type? I'm not, actually. I'm probably the least creative person that I know. Um, so maybe oh, that... Oh, my glad we're talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, I, I found this fascinating because I saw this passed around a lot on Facebook, um, mostly by um, my artists. I have a lot... My problem is, of course, that I am not very creative, but I am attracted to creative people and I surround myself with creative people. Um, but when it comes right down to it, I never have this <laughs> and I never feel like I have just created something wonderful. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and my problem with this article it's not the fact that it's the Huffington Post, though that does factor into it <laughs> to some degree. But I think it's, you know, it's sort of the way that I saw it framed and passed around is that like it was by creative people and it was a chance for them to say, hey, everybody, look at me. Look how different I am. Look how special I am because I do all these things. And these are the things that it's almost like when people read a horoscope or when people have their palms read or when people see a psychic and they get these bits of information and they go, Oh, it's totally me. Totally me. That's totally me. Yeah. Yeah. I am that I am a highly creative person and I do things different than all you fucking, you know, I'm a beautiful butterfly and you wingless fucking insects are nothing compared to me. And it could be, it could very well be sour grapes because as I <laughs> preface this whole thing, I am not a creative person. And I envy creativity and I envy the creative mind, but I don't think it's fair to say that creativity is a personality type. And I know that, I think that this article, even though it is a Huffington Post article, it is fairly nuanced and fairly um, well-rounded. And it does say that, you know, there's no, you know, there's no such thing as this sort of paradigm of, of a creative person. Like maybe... This article says, hey, you know, if you want to think more creatively, try daydreaming, try something else. Maybe, I mean, giving it a lot of benefit of doubt, <laughs> I can say that maybe that's what this is trying to do. But it, it, it seems less like that and more of a way for people to just go, hey, yeah, I'm all those things. Check me out. I'm highly fucking creative. Um, but See, that only works if you if you place highly creative people on a pedestal. You know, if 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 you think that highly creative people are better than non creative people, well, that's then the, I could mm -hmm. see like, oh, well, they think they're so great because they're creative. It's just right. a different type of a person. Like, I, it's not better or worse. It's just a different type of person. So in that context, I don't I don't really see how it's them just beating off in front of you. No, no, I mean, I wouldn't say it's 
I'm thinking off in front of me, but I do, I wonder at the sort of, uh, what's the point, you know, what is the point of this article? Are they trying to tell me how to be more creative? Because that'd be great. I would love to be, but I'm not. And no HuffPo article is going to make my mind work differently. You know what I mean? And that's fine. Obviously, I'm all for elitism. I wouldn't be, you know, who I was if I if I didn't agree that, yeah, uh, some people are better than others. And I would definitely say creative people are much better than non-creative people. But are there really any? And I, of course, having just said that I'm not a very creative person, do you know anyone who has zero creativity? I'm not even sure what that means. I'm not even sure what creativity means exactly or how they want to, you know, how do we want to talk about creativity? They do discuss the whole left brain, right brain dichotomy as being, I, I, I don't think they use these words, but pathology, pseudoscience. It's like no one actually believes in that left brain, right brain. Oh, you're so left brain. I mean, you'll say a lot, but they're the same women who say, oh, you're such a Scorpio. You know, <laughs> it's bullshit. There is no left brain, right brain. Everybody uses their whole fucking brain, everyone. <laughs> but, um, you know, some people are more creative and tough fucking luck. No matter what you do, you're born with the brain you have. I mean, you could do, sure, you can surround yourself with, you know, um, creative games and oh, lumosity and do sort of brain games. But really, you're kind of one thing when you're born. Or many things, but something, you're a whole lot of, you're a whole not lot of, a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was the weirdest way to say it. <laughs> I mean, you know, as a person, you're a whole fucking lot, you're on, you're a spectrum of personalities, but there are a lot of things you just are not and will never be. And that's fucking okay too. The world needs people that aren't constantly fucking staring in a corner and coming up with great ideas. You know, you got to do shit, too. A lot of people have to fucking do shit while y'all are just staring at, you know, and staring in space, coming up with great ideas. <laughs> and I am bitter. This is wildly aggressive. I didn't see this coming. <laughs> no, it's not as aggressive as it sounds. It's just my tone. But, uh... <laughs> But I think it's, I mean, I think it's fascinating, but all these points of, you know, I would say, yeah, sure, this highly creative people, and then there are fucking geniuses. And I think that this article is more along the lines of geniuses, you know, people who do all these things. They daydream, they, you know, um, connect dots. I mean, it's not creativity, that's, that's genius, you know, that's smart. You know, failing up, that's, perhaps that's um, a skill that people learn. You know, you're not born with that necessarily. Well, I don't... Being able to do it though is, is like some people they just can't take criticism, and if you can't, then you'll never be able to grow whether you're creative or not. Yeah, but where does like, that come from? Is that you know that's and then there's a whole another false dichotomy we could talk about, and that's the nature versus nurture false dichotomy. You know, are you what percent of failing up is this genius creative mind that you were born with, or is it the fucking? <laughs> You know, or is it the way that it's, your parents? You're taking this you. so much more seriously than I expected. I think it's fascinating. It's, I, it's I not. Think it's it's worth just talking a, about. It's not like a checklist. Like everyone, if you can only well, be creative if you do all of these little. Th- it's just. It's a. It's a general conversation about creativity. It's not. 
you know, it's not trying to say that these people are better than other people or they, that you require to do all of these things or think or, or behave in all of these different ways in order to be creative or, or that there's not variations on creativity. It's just, you know, it's a general, it's a list article. Oh, I agree. And, but the, the way that I've seen it most commonly on Facebook, because I have seen it and, you know, I'm on Facebook a lot more than you are. So maybe you don't. <laughs> Apparently you're connected to assholes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> We're using this as like. Let me tell you. <laughs> Every fucking Facebook friend of mine is the biggest fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Totally joking. <laughs> no, no, no. But I do think, you know, it is a way for people to go, hey, everybody, this is this is what makes me special. You know what I mean? And that's fine. I, I mean, dream. <laughs> there's nothing I hate more than a fucking braggart. And that's probably my problem with this. People, you know, passing this around saying, hey, this, hey, you guys probably have been asking yourself, Hey, what's so fucking great about this gal? Well, I'm about to tell you. And here's a HuffPo article to back me up. This is why I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah. I know you've all been asking yourself, what is that thing that she has that we don't? <laughs> what is no. that voodoo? <laughs> Whereas, I, I have nothing in response to that. <laughs> I mean, I love the, I love the discussion. You know, I, I, I love creative people. I am... Um, I mean, all of the anger that you hear, all the this ire, it comes from a very deep insecurity <laughs> that I'm not, you know, I will tell you, my older brother is the most creative person I've ever met. And I surround, as I said, surround myself with creative people. So yes, I am bitter <laughs> because I grew up, you know, sort of like, oh, that's what that is. And look at how great that would, wouldn't that be great if I were that way? And I just, I'm not. You know, I just uh, about uh, my uh, class coming to an end, and it was a um, it was actually a brain and behavior class, a sort of neuroscience class, and um, I was supposed to do a presentation. I got you know A plus 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 on my written paper, and then I did another um, presentation, an oral presentation. It got you know firewall fives for you know subject whatever, creativity. A one. <laughs> and it's funny because people, and you know what's funny about it is that people always look at me and when anything, you know, when it ever comes up, like at work, we need a creative person for this job. Everyone always looks at me and says, Aaron, you're creative. And I go, no, I'm not. And, you know, they look at me and they think, oh, the tattoos, the piercing, you know, the artist boyfriend, <laughs> you know, she has art hanging up in her cubicle. Clearly she's creative. And I, you know, I'm just not. When it comes down to it, and and as far as the assignment goes that I just got back, um, if I, I only have so much time to do this project, let's say, I'm going to work on the subject, you know, I'm going to do the research, and I'm going to do the writing, and I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going to run out of time, and creativity is at the absolute last thing I have have time for, because it it's work for me, you know, to think of like some, ooh, ow, oh, I'll do this, and it'll blow their fucking socks off. That is so much harder to do. <laughs> it's so much more time consuming. Okay. <laughs> you can edit all of this out if you want to. <laughs> I'm not, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess I gave it too much thought. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, way more. Well, I don't know about too much, but definitely more than I did. I was just like, oh, this is interesting. I'll just talk about this for a minute. And <laughs> I'm such a... Con Bam! <laughs> Sorry. I just hijacked the whole show. Oh, it's totally cool. Hey, let me ask you a question. Um, would you ever consider taking over Nine Cents episodes? 
Uh, why are you like asking me this now? What kind of question? I'm is just that? curious. Like, would you like if if you had an opportunity just to do like a you know one whole episode yourself? One oh oh, just like a what? one-off, like one episode. No, like once a month. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess you think people want that? I'm so fucking full mm-hmm. of shit. <laughs> do people really want to hear what I have to say? I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Right, well, I'd give it a try. You're not creative, apparently, so maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Probably shouldn't. I shouldn't be allowed anywhere near our... <laughs> All right. Well, let's take some time for solitude uh, for just a brief moment, and then we'll dive into a little bit of uh, Down the Crossroad, yeah? Yeah. All right. There you will. Sure you won't stay out in this blackout? Sure is dark tonight. Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine. See yourself. What are you doing out here? Oh, I'm headed down to the crossroads. <laughs> Wait, Miss. You can't be. You're the. Devil. But you're, you're beautiful. beautiful. Just sign here. Oh my god. Hey, everybody. Down to the crossroads. Your Yay. favorite. <laughs> and <laughs> The music review show without any music. <laughs> you're going to hear it. You're going to play it this time. I c- mm-hmm. encourage everyone to play the playlist along with us. It's really <laughs> what just way more fun that way. <laughs> All right. Why so did you this say, like, that was like like there's like a after school special or like a <laughs> Sesame Street or something like that. Oh, you the playlist. We're playing. Oh, that's how. So I, what what are we talking about this week? All right. So it's March, and you know what happens in March? St. Patrick's Day. It's all about the luck of the Irishman. Uh, okay. Do you like St. Patty's Day? Oh, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. What does it mean, even? What are we talking about? We're talking about that guy that drove the snakes out of Ireland or something? Is that, we? Is that what it is, or is it just about drinking? I think it's just about drinking in green hats. Okay. Then I'm all like, for it. I hate <laughs> this fucking... I don't, I don't even understand. Like, why do you need an excuse to drink? And why do you need an excuse for anything? Like, just... If you're gonna have a beer, have a beer, but, like, it's not... It's not even that. Like, it's an excuse to act like an asshole. Like, people don't go out to party on St. Patty's Day to be cordial. <laughs> like, they go out to be total douchebags. Uh, I you see, like, know. the worst of people on St. Patty's Because it's like this over-drinking. <laughs> like, it's mad drinking. Not even to the point of, like, I'm just going to be, like, puking and stumbling around. <laughs> that's drinking. Like, one thing. Mm. I said, yeah, that's one thing, but this is... You said, yeah, that's Monday. Yeah, that's, that's a typical Monday. <laughs> no, I think, you know, I'm I'm sort of of mind that I like all holidays. I want fucking, you know, any holiday you throw at me, I'm all for it. Not that I'm going to go out and celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, what do we want? Every day to be exactly the same? I don't care. Throw it. Throw a holiday in there. Let's, why not? What's a good excuse to do whatever that holiday is about? You know, Valentine's Day. It's all about... You know, show the person you're with that you love them. Why not? Fuck it. Do it every day, of course. But 
on Valentine's Day, go out, have dinner. It's fun. It's different. It's, you know, every day is not exactly the same. I'm all for it. any excuse to celebrate. I am with it. I don't understand, like, the wearing green or you get pinched part of it. You know uh, those? I guess so. I mean, there's all kinds it's of wacky so dumb. Like, what's the, I don't. It's just so fucking stupid. I, I get so frustrated. And then what? What's so great about being Irish? <laughs> like, let's be honest. Like, I understand if you're Irish, there is a wild sense of superiority just <laughs> spewing out of your eyes. But, eh, don't really see it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've never met someone and they were so superior as a human being. I'm like, they must be Irish. <laughs> I've always met Total douchebag asshole drunks. I'm like, they're probably Irish. Yeah. And nine out of ten times, I'm right. <laughs> so this, well, anyway, this show is not about the Irish. This is about, <laughs> you know, the, derailed. The, <laughs> the blues, you know, we got some bad luck when it comes to the blues. So that's, what, that's my uh, theme, because you know I love a theme. My theme is bad luck. The sort of anti- St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> the slaves. Yes, the bad luck of the um, blues musician from the early 1900s. So I started out. I'm going to go ahead and hit play on our first one. And this is Clifford Grandpappy Gibson. And it's called Bad Luck Dice. This motherfucker, man. So, he was you know, born back in the early whenevers. When, and Clifford Gibson. Who? Clifford Gibson, Adam? What? Have you heard of Clifford Gibson? <laughs> no. Nah. Unfortunately, not a lot of people have. And it's a, it's a goddamn oversight, if you ask me. He's one of the, the better singers, better guitar players that the blues ever fucking produced. Um, but he's tragically underrated and almost no one's ever heard of him. <laughs> but he, if you listen closely, you could probably hear his Lonnie Johnson influence. Now, Lonnie Johnson was one of the best guitar players in blues. And he also kind of crossed, crossed over into jazz, which is, you know, says a lot because jazz is definitely more technically, um, oriented than blues ever was and this song is just basically about how <laughs> this poor guy's lost you know lost his money lost his woman to the playing the dice whoa they bet their women well i mean no women leave you <laughs> when you lose all your money after you lose all your money then you lose your woman <laughs> But he was an incredible guitar player and almost un unmatched, and that that's why it's so tragic that he isn't better known. If you he's listen, got a great voice too. He has a great voice, and he's just an excellent guitar player. Is uh, you know, it's sort of he has this very clear, um, sharp, just very precise way of playing the guitar, and he was really good at improvisation. And uh, he sang really high. He threw a, like a capo up on the fifth fret and just and matched the vocals to that, which is a, quite a feat. And he played a lot of open tuning, which is, you know, it's great for picking and stuff. And 
right. You know, and he used to play around, you know, his, his pay was in the twenties or something, but, um, he had a pretty life and he was in the late fifties and sixties. It is rumored that he used to perform on the streets of, uh, St. Louis, which is where he spent most of his life. Um, and he had a trained dog named Roughhouse <laughs> who would dance. He would stand up on his hind legs on a painted box while, um, Grandpappy Gibson would play the guitar and the dog would uh, dance around on his hind legs and, uh, you know, basically just earn money for his master. <laughs> and we would walk around the crowd with like a, the dog would hop down from the box and walk around the crowd with a, with a teeth, um, with a hat, like in his teeth, just begging for money. It's great. Nice. That's so a that, really good track. Yeah, I would encourage people to to go try to listen to a bit more uh, Clifford Gibson. You ever had bad luck? Oh, man. <laughs> sure. Uh, but all in all, I think it's evened out. I'm pretty good. I got a pretty good life. Yeah. I, would, I would never say that I... Um, you know, that I've gotten a worse shake than anyone else. Let's put it that way. What do you, you think? Uh, you have bad luck or? Uh, no. <laughs> My problem is, is that I have incredibly good luck and I don't fucking deserve it. Really? Oh, this is a very a Catholic way of thinking. What is that? Is that a Mormon <laughs> thing too? It's... No. <laughs> I think it's a, a mentally efficient way of thinking <laughs> certainly um bad luck dice yeah can't help it he just has bad luck it's not his fault oh. he just has bad luck yeah and uh so speaking of bad luck let's play the next track <laughs> <laughs> great segue yes hey, let's yes uh oh that's Ooh. not what I want uh oh uh oh that's it <laughs> That's Blind Lemon Jefferson, right? Um, Is that what you're listening to? Yes. <laughs> Blind yes. Lemon Jefferson. He, now, he, everybody knows who he is. He's been around. Everyone's heard his name. But um, this is a great little tune about being unlucky in love and just sort of wants to go home, but he doesn't have clothes to get home. And <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome. Yeah, this is great. Blind Lemon Jefferson. He's fantastic. He's one. Of, he's the known as the father of the Texas blues. So he's um, from Texas. But this song was recorded in 1926, 26 in Chicago, and it's basically just about you know <laughs> bad luck. And he's he's gotten through a world of hurt, and he's bet all his money, and he's lost all his money, and now he. Wants to go back home, but who the fuck is going to take him? You know, that timeless story. <laughs> Gambling all his money and lost his woman. Now he's trying to hop a freight train and head to <laughs> Tennessee. And Been there. Yeah, who hasn't, right? <laughs> when your luck runs out, you go home back to Tennessee, hop a freight, at least try to find a new woman. Maybe that'll turn your luck around. <laughs> But uh, Blind Lemon Jefferson, he's, like I said, fairly well-known. This, You know, he wasn't the first male country blues singer to record, but he was one of the first to succeed commercially. And so when people heard this and they heard, oh, Blind Lemon Jefferson, he's doing really well, they all kind of hopped on. 
and he maybe was responsible for this sort of um, resurgence of recording of blues, looking for, you know, a lot of women, actually, blues, female blues singers were more famous than the men at first. They sang in cabarets and barrel houses and, you know, they could cross over into jazz a bit. But with, with the male recording artists, it really kind of was Blind Lemon Jefferson, who, who was a success. And then people saw that and they said, oh, OK, well, let's try to find these guys with their guitars just singing about <laughs> bad luck. And it was hugely influential, influential Blind Lemon Jefferson was. So do you think this, this message resonates and, and has for so long because it's people expressing a genuine feeling that they have bad luck or they're just trying to capitalize on their audience's inherent insecurities? I would say the latter. I would guess that it's sort of, you know, that's sort of like commiserating. Like everybody's got hard luck blues, you know, we've all lost lost our shirts and some bad business, <laughs> you know. I wasn't at that party, goddamn. <laughs> but, it, you know, the cold hand of fate, I think that's sort of what this song is about. Just like, I just cannot fucking catch a break. And I'm, you know, I said at the top of this that, yeah, I probably have, you know, normal amount of luck. But every once in a while you get to thinking, what the fuck did I do to deserve this shit? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like the whole fucking world is taking a collective dump on my chest and why me like why the what the fuck did i do and then but then you know you kind of get over that and you you know you have a moment where you cry in your closet in the dark and then you go oh oh hey like everybody's life is hard you know but you gotta you gotta lay it down when you feel it do you think most people can get have that that perspective you just mentioned though like once they've as you say, cl- cried in the closet for a little <laughs> while, pick themselves back up and say, you know what? Everyone has a hard time. Life is hard. I'm going to just put my best foot forward and keep going. Or do you think that the majority are the opposite, where they're just like, oh, I suck, life sucks. <laughs> I don't know about the numbers. I don't know about majority, but I do think, I definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely agree that, uh, no, not everyone has those coping skills. And, you know, I have to admit it, I wasn't born with those coping skills either. I had to figure that shit out on my own too. Like, you know, life is hard. <laughs> it's going to shit on your chest and it's going to shit, <laughs> it's going to shit right into your mouth sometimes. Oh, and that's just, on. you got, you just got to pick yourself up and, you know, brush your teeth and get on with life. But no, I don't think it's. I don't think everyone has that skill. I think um, I don't know. Maybe the majority of people don't have those skills where they, and a lot of people, you know, uh, do feel like they have bad luck. And those are the worst fucking people in the world. <laughs> people who walk out of the house, get in a fight at the gas station, and go, "Why me? Why I'm always getting in fights with people? Why are people always targeting me?" Well, guess what, asshole? It's if, mm-hmm. if every time you leave the house, someone's picking a fight with you, you're probably doing something wrong. And it's those kind of people who don't recognize that in themselves, where they, where they're just like sort of reaping all these horrible repercussions, and they don't ever connect to the fact that it is perhaps maybe not their fault, but there might be something that they're doing wrong that is. Um, influencing all this bad luck, quote unquote bad luck. Yeah. I mean, we talk about if 
whether or not luck exists at all. You know, if luck is some sort of just bullshit term that people use. I mean, luck, what does that mean? You know, you kind of reap what you sow, you know, you, you put shit out there in the world. And if you're an asshole, generally people are going to be assholes to you too. But then again, there are some people who, you know, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And life is just a series of bad things happening to all sorts of people. <laughs> and on that high note, should we go to the yeah. next song? <laughs> so this one. Oh, yeah. This is Sonny Boy Williamson, the first. Now, mm. I've talked about Sonny Boy Williamson the second before. I probably talked about Sonny mm. Boy Williamson the first. Before too, I like the harmonica. Yes, he is the original harmonica player named Sonny Boy Williamson. This is uh, John Lee Williamson. He was born the in 1914, uh, early, and he popularized this harmonica playing. He was actually so you know popularized it so much that another blues player in the the 40s took his name <laughs> just said his name's Alex Rice Miller. As I said, Sonny boy Williamson too. He just decided, Hey, I'm a harmonica player. I'm pretty good at it. They were, I'm going to pick this name, Sonny boy Williamson. That's already been taken, but I'm sure he won't mind. <laughs> but Sonny boy Williamson. So good. Yeah. He's the original and he's fucking fantastic. And, um, uh, <laughs> He was one of, you know, he's one of the original members of that post-war Chicago blues scene. And he definitely brought the harmonica to the forefront of blues for a long time. I think a lot of people associate the blues with the harmonica. You know, they do that whole, my dog died and I'm sad, yeah, yeah. harmonica riff. <laughs> and, you know, interestingly, Sonny Boy Williamson, um, he did have kind of bad luck in his life. And he did end up dying um, fairly young, I guess in his thirties, he was killed. He was murdered with an ice pick after a gig. Whoa! Yeah, no, that's pretty dope. <laughs> he was finishing up a gig in Chicago in 1948. It was really like the height of his career. He was a really big deal and he was killed with an ice pick after a show for probably, you know, talking to somebody who wasn't supposed to or something like that. But He's actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's in the Blues uh, Hall of Fame. But he was terrific, and this song is about, you know, it's just about, again, the cold hand of fate <laughs> and being miserable and getting in nothing but trouble, and even your mama doesn't, won't back you up, and <laughs> <laughs> the whole world's against you, and you just he's trying to catch a break, and I think everyone can sort of sympathize with that feeling like ah just can i catch a fucking break for once that was really fucking good uh, i'm glad you liked it <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> well where can people find more amazing music uh with down to the crossroads online well it's a good old facebook page down to the crossroads and then i'm on twitter uh chelsea girl 19 all right well everyone get out there tune in They're the good old facebook page and you'll hear much, much more amazing music and imagery and general information that is just not shared. We just don't have time in the segment to, to share to you. So do yourself a favor if you like the blues or if you want to learn a little bit more about it. 
and check it out. Uh, fantastic, as always, Aaron. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. That is going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I like always saying something like as a question. You sure. It's a statement. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Well, you don't want to sound too cocky. You know? yeah, yeah. Visit the website. Uh, com. Send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com and let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. Uh, you can visit any of the social networking pages and get updated on the weekly topics. You can download the show Monday nights or check it out on YouTube uh, by going to 9centspodcast.com and then like a link on the YouTube page. If you want to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And remember, people... Uh, yeah. Well, I think that, we're just going to shut it out. Shut down. Jesus. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, people. I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by Aaron. The lovely Aaron. And until next week, Hail Satan. Hail Satan.